we can also be able to trust Jesus. That is 524. Um, it is so sweet to trust Jesus. journey we have to know more and more about Jesus if we are going to succeed we should have a passion to know more and more about Jesus our hymn 245 
Amen. 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 I mean, we want to thank Sister Hilda for praising the Lord and helping us to praise the Lord in singing. I'm hoping that um, all of you joined in wherever you are in singing and praising God because Jesus is amazing. Without him, all of us would perish. Uh, this is a time when we need to um, uh, type in our prayer requests on the chat. And after that, I'll read uh, the prayer requests as they come in and Brother Winston uh, will pray over them. Okay, I have pray for my sister who just got a stroke. We continue to pray for our young people so that they may lead, um, they may be led by the Holy Spirit in everything that they do. Please pray, uh, continue to pray for healing uh, for my nephew. Okay. Keep on typing your requests. Kindly uh, continue to pray for my parents for complete recovery. Continue to pray for all the key workers during this time. Okay, any more requests? Okay. Okay. Please continue to pray uh, for my dad, for God to continue to sustain him. Um, pray that I will get EMG test. Pray for my family. Okay, I'm going to uh, request us uh, to humble ourselves where we are, and Brother Winston will lead us in prayer. Okay, good evening all. This evening I... Uh, may the Lord be with me as I do this. Um, and may the Lord also bless all of us who are present here and perhaps even others that might be on the way. Amen. I've made a note of some of the prayer requests um, that I just heard um, my brother read for us. And um, I would like to, first of all, start off by a short praise of the Lord himself. Um, we have many parts in the Bible where we are told all we need to know about God, and not only God, but God the Son. He is God is his character uh, contains um, in instruction that he, for instance, is our Savior. That there is nothing that he cannot do. That he delights when we come to him in prayer. That he delights when we want to know things from him. He delights when we inquire about things, God, heavenly things. He delights when we, in love, speak one to another uh, concerning the word of God. We see this in Malachi chapter 4, where it speaks about the Lord hearing two of the saints speaking, and then he asks for the book of remembrance so that he can put their name in it. And so taking those narrow examples 
um, at face value, we know very firmly, continually, that God, the God we worship, does exist. The God we worship is able to do far more than we can ever imagine. So all that is needed, really, is to have faith, which is easier said than done, we know, because we are not alone in this situation. Uh, there is another one who wants us to fail, wants to distort everything that we know and love about our Lord God. But the Lord Jesus Christ has already won that battle for us. The final application of it just hasn't taken place yet, but we know that the evil one has no future. Now, Father God, I lift up the prayers of my brethren here, which my brother has just read, and there are various things which are requ requested in those prayers. As usual, there's usually matters of family situations. There are matters concerning um, trouble of, of the, with the faith. There are matters concerning troubles of the world. There are matters concerning uncertainties and uh, confusion in some quarters. This, these are nothing new, Father, as you well know. And so you, you heard my, my brother um, having read the, um, the, the, the requests. And I'm asking, Father, in intercession for your, first of all, Lord, um, that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness, lest I become an obstacle in the way of the prayers. And Father, may you also cleanse the askers um, so that even more certainly their prayers shall be heard and shall be answered. Um, Father, may you also bless us by sending the Holy Spirit to be among us. Uh, come by us, I think the phrase is, Lord, and um, be with us and, 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 and inspire us through your, the work of your Holy Spirit that we may recognize that you haven't only um, seen the prayers, but you, you have heard us acknowledging you as being the only true God, as being the faithful God, as being a God whose mercies is greater than any, any sin that can be committed. Because we know, for instance, in ending, that uh, in Psalm 136, there are 26 verses, and in every verse, it finishes with the assurance that the mercy endureth forever. God's mercies endureth forever. And so, Father, I'm claiming that in, in, in requesting your, 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 um, um, your, 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 Satisfying our requests, excuse me, satisfying our requests for the, the different uh, situations, which, as I say, Father, uh, we know that you, you heard uh, um, uh, earlier on. These mercies, Father, I ask in Jesus' name, and uh, uh, I ask with thanksgiving, Father. We, we lift you up. We are not going to stop lifting you up. There will be trouble coming, but we are not afraid. You're in the boat with us, Father God, through Jesus Christ. We have nothing to fear but fear itself, as a, as a well-known person used to say. It is not new, but at the time it seemed new. So, Father, continue to bless us and to guide us and to keep us from all troubles that the evil one may uh, send in our, in, in our direction. We hold on to Jesus Christ, and that is our aim. And, Father, continue to bless us and to strengthen us each day, for we know there are bad times to come, but we will not be afraid. Once again, these mercies I ask in Jesus' name, with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 This uh, time I want to um, take the opportunity to welcome Pastor Ian Sweeney, uh, the president of the British Union. Uh, thank you so much for accepting the appointment to come and speak to us. Um, for those of you who were here um, at the beginning of the week when Pastor spoke uh, and expounded on John 3.16, we were so blessed and I don't think any of us will ever look um, at that verse, well-known verse, in the same way. Uh, the Father's love uh, 
was so made manifest and clear to all of us. And we pray that um, the Holy Spirit who used pastor that day will use him today to bless everybody who has attended this prayer meeting. Pastor, may the Lord continue blessing you and your family and your ministry. Uh, this is your time to speak to the uh, waiting congregations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And, uh, and a good evening and blessings to, to, to each and all. Uh, I want to share from, uh, again, from the Gospel of John, as it happens, a passage that is very familiar to us, maybe not as familiar as John 3.16, but it's, it's found in John chapter 11 and verse 25. John chapter 11 and verse 25. And it reads as follows. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You know, if there's anything that can change your diary, if there's anything that can have you move with a haste that may not normally be exhibited. It is this, knowing someone whom you love is close to death. No matter where you are in the country or indeed the world, when a loved one is dying, you move and make arrangements to be in their presence in those and for those closing final moments. I've known it. I've seen folk who've been able to get from the West Indies, the Caribbean, to the UK in seemingly record times just to be in the presence of their loved ones. Now, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, is interesting. It's a story familiar to most of us, and time doesn't permit me to read the whole story, but it's, it's, it's a fabulously wonderful and famous story. And, and the story, for those who uh, just need a little background, it tells of how Jesus was called upon by his close friends, namely Mary and Martha, who were siblings, with the news that their brother, Lazarus, was critically ill. Now, it's a, it's a fascinating story because he hadn't died, but he was critically ill. And, and part of the reason they reached out to Jesus as a close friend was because they knew what Jesus could do. But the reaction of Jesus to this news is troubling. And it's troubling when you look at it from a number of different angles. I mean, as a close friend, one's natural reaction to such news my good friend, my best friend, somebody whom I love, whom I care for, is dying. That as soon as you get that kind of news, you make all kinds of haste to be at the bedside of your friend, of your loved one. Because, you know, that's what friends do. Jesus, however, instead of dealing with the request as a 999 uh, emergency services call, he treated the request as a NHS 111 non-emergency call. And he even stated to the messengers, and remember, we're not talking about somebody sending a text message or even a letter. This was a personally delivered message. Took time. Somebody had to find Jesus to tell him what was going on. And Jesus, in verse 4 of chapter 11, said to the messenger, this illness does not lead to death. So the messenger who said, comes from the sisters, Mary and Martha, go find Jesus wherever he is, said, listen, Lazarus, your good friend is critically ill. Jesus tells the messenger, eh, he ain't gonna die. So the messenger goes back to Mary and Martha with that message. And, and my favorite author, um, Ellen White, speaks of this in a book uh, called The Desire of Ages, page 526. 
And, and it's troubling because Jesus not, didn't seemingly recognize the urgency of the situation. He decided to stay where he was two days longer. But it actually gets worse than this. Not only does Jesus fail to make the visit to his critically ill friend, to make it worse, he gave a diagnosis. It's not going to lead to death. He got that wrong. Jesus failed to even show up on time for the funeral. And, and it's not like Jesus was abroad or something like that. It's not even the case that Jesus was, you know, hundreds of miles away. He was not. He doesn't visit. He gets the diagnosis wrong and he fails even to turn up for the funeral. Now, if I'm wearing the hat of a church administrator pastor, I'm troubled by Jesus's pastoral actions or lack thereof. And I know your pastor wouldn't do that. Your pastor is a great pastor. But just, just, just imagine for a moment, if your pastor, on the, you, you tell, oh, somebody's critically ill. Can, can you go and visit with them? And pastor said, nah, it's not going to lead on to death. No, we're not asking if the person's going to die. The person needs you right now because they are sick. And, and as an administrator, I would expect Jesus, as a shepherd, as a pastor, you make all haste to, con to, to be at the side of the loved ones. And be beyond that, when death is involved, it is an expectation that the pastor visits the one who's dying and <laughs> turns up and participates if so requested by the family, in the funeral. But Jesus is so late, he doesn't attend the funeral, he has no participation, he's nowhere to be found or seen, he misses everything. And I think that, you know, a, a, a complaint could be reasonably lodged against Jesus if he were a pastor, and the case would simply be one of pastoral negligence. And I know some of you are feeling uncomfortable, but, but hold on, you wouldn't allow your pastor to get away with it. So just, just come with me in my world. How come Jesus gets away with it? And to strengthen the case of pastoral negligence, one could quote Jesus's own words, if your Bibles are open, look at them there in verse 15 of, Luke of John chapter 11, knowing that Lazarus was dead, he knows he's dead now, and Jesus said, well, I'm glad I was not there. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, since I've moved down from Sheffield up in Yorkshire, down, down south, I think you would say down in the south, something like that's just bang out of order. How, how do you, you mean that you, your best friend, you don't visit, you don't go to the funeral, and you even have the audacity to say, I'm glad I wasn't there. Now, I know for many of us, and, and myself most definitely included, we know how the story ends. And so we would make the defense for Jesus that, you know, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus, his friend, back to life, etc. But actually, it's deeper than this. It's, it's actually much deeper than this. You see, my favorite Christian author, in commenting on this story, she, she wrote to comment or she made the comment. And again, it's found in a wonderful book called The Desire of Ages. It's page 524, paragraph one. And she made this comment. She said, she wrote, it was for Lazarus that the greatest of Christ's miracles was performed. It was for Lazarus that the greatest of Christ's miracles was performed. I've just been speaking about pastoral neglect. My favorite Christian author, Ellen White, said, actually, he performed his greatest ever miracle when he was on earth with Lazarus. And this is, again, it just then began to say, well, this, this is, more questions began to come to my mind. So, so when you look at the story, John chapter 11, 
verse 11 through 13, in the New International Version, it reads in part, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, verse 12, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep, verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, verse 15. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Now, again, I'm saying, oh, okay, all right. The disciples needed to believe. What else did they need to believe? I mean, the disciples had seen a number of miracles performed by Jesus. They had witnessed Jesus giving hearing to the deaf, sight to the blind. They had seen him giving strength to the to legs that had stopped or had never walked. They had seen him put on potluck lunches for thousands with a child's lunch as the basis. Even more significantly, they had witnessed Jesus raising the dead to life. So I asked myself, what more do the disciples need to see to believe? I mean, with that body of evidence, with that body of work, surely you can come to the, you, you, you believe in Jesus. And again, coming back to my favorite Christian author, Ellen White, she said that this was Christ's greatest miracle. And again, I'm saying, well, how, how's, how, how, why does Ellen White write that? Why did she make that co comment? Because, you know, if we look at the chronology of Jesus's life, he had already raised two other persons from the grip of death. So in Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 11 through 17. It's recorded there that Jesus raised to life the son of a widowed mother who lived in a town called Nain. Jesus raised this son as the funeral procession was making its way to the burial site. In, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus was called to the home of a church leader um, uh, named Jairus um, because his daughter was ill. And so as Jesus was making his way to Jairus's home, he was unavoidably detained when someone was trying to get healing from Jesus. And so by the time that situation had resolved itself, this little girl had died and, and, and the house was a house of mourning. But Jesus still went to the home, went into the bedroom of the now dead girl. The mourners were in there crying and he sent them out of the room, raised and raised her to life. So what I'm saying is that Jesus had already raised two people to life. So, so why would Ellen White say this was the greatest? Why was Jesus saying to the disciples that, you know, I'm glad he's dead, you know, so that you might believe? This miracle, I believe, is the greatest because for one, it challenges us to exhibit greater faith, greater trust, greater appreciation of Jesus's power, especially at times of death. You see, when we pick up the story in John chapter 11 and verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She was totally correct. When her sister Mary met Jesus a little later in verse 32, she also said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The two sisters were correct. Jesus could have prevented Lazarus from dying. But Jesus, in delaying his visit, wanted those sisters, as well as the mourners, to go on a journey, a journey which we, we, in Chelmsford you are going on in a spiritual way. He wanted to take them on a spiritual journey where they could see him as being more than just a great healer or a miracle worker. Jesus needed Mary and Martha, and indeed us in Chelmsford and beyond. He needed them and us to understand that his power goes beyond what we can imagine or think. Jesus needed them to believe 
Not that he's a miracle worker, but that he has all power. And so Jesus purposely delayed visiting Mary and Martha till Lazarus was dead and buried. You see, Jesus wanted to give more evidence that he was the resurrection and the life. He wanted to give irrefutable evidence that no one could misinterpret, especially the religious leaders of the time, the priests, according to my favorite Christian author, Ellen White. You see, this miracle, the raising of Lazarus, was irrefutable evidence that Jesus is God. You see, this miracle was proof of his claim to divinity. And that's why, having raised Lazarus from the dead, and you read this in verse 45 of chapter 11, the priests and the other leaders formed plots to kill Jesus. Imagine, he's raised somebody from the dead, and the religious leaders, all that's in their mind is, how can we kill this person? So, so why were the priests annoyed? Why were they annoyed at, at, at this miracle above and, um, and over the other miracles? Indeed, why were they annoyed at this miracle, this resurrection, above and beyond the other resurrections? You see, they understood something that maybe we have forgotten in 2020. You see, it goes like this. According to Jewish Midrashic tradition, and the Midrash is like a commentary on the Bible, and they had a commentary. And so according to their tradition, at death, the soul hovers over the body for three, or some traditions had it, seven days after death. Now, now, let me make it plain. This is not, I believe, the teaching of the scriptures. This is not the teaching of the Bible. But this is what many people believed, that you're, you're, you, we are comprised of a body and a soul. And according to this widely held belief, this Midrashic tradition, when someone dies, the, the soul is somewhat lost, somewhat confused between death and burial. And it was believed that the spirit stays in the general vicinity of the body until the uh, of the body until the body is interned. Now, this belief may seem strange and peculiar to us, but in, but it, it, it shouldn't. You know, even those who are non-religious in the United Kingdom, oftentimes when somebody dies and it was just somebody, I forget who it was just recently, people will often say, well, now they are up in the arms of Jesus or, you know, they're, they're, they're looking down on us. Why? Because there's this thought, this belief thought that, yeah, the body's gone, but there is a, a, a spirit that has come out or the soul and it's gone to glory. Now in the Caribbean, where my parents uh, uh, come from, hail from, from Antigua, and, and, but around the Caribbean and indeed around Africa, there are similar kinds of tradition. Sometimes in the Caribbean, the tradition is called nine nights. Some places they call it dead yard. And so in some parts of the Caribbean, it is believed that when a person dies, his or her spirit, or some people call it dopey, ghost or jumbi, they believe that the spirit remains close to the place of death until after nine nights or however many nights when the body is interned. So this is why the resurrection of Lazarus is the greatest of all Jesus's miracles. You see, when Jesus had met the grieving widow of Nain, her son had been dead one, two days at the most, because the Jews, and even to this day, along with those who come from uh, Islamic faith, they don't hang around when it comes to death and burial. In, in, in cultures, in the cultures from my parents and so on, you know, we, we, we don't rush for a, for a funeral because you've got to wait for, for somebody to come from the other part of the world and, you know, to do all of that kind of stuff. But, but, but Jews, and indeed in, in Islamic tradition as well, when when death occurs, the burial occurs, you know, very shortly afterwards. And so this was the case when, when Jesus met that, that widow, 
They were on the way to the grave to bury the son, but he would have only have died one day, maybe even that same day. Now the people, not Jesus, believed that the spirit of the son of the widow of Nain was still in the vicinity because at most, at most two days would have passed and he was not buried. When Jesus raised Jairus's daughter to life, she had died at most, what, a couple of hours before Jesus arrived at her home. The people, not Jesus, but the people believed that the spirit of Jairus's daughter would have still been in the room as she had just died. So in raising that son, in raising Jairus's daughter to life, some of the people would have rationalized in their mind, well, yeah, this is possible because the spirit was still close by, their death was fresh. And so Jesus kind of just did something to reun reunite the body and the soul. But with Lazarus, Jesus ensured that it was a whole different situation. Jesus was going to wait till nine nights had passed. He was waiting. He was waiting till the people believed that the spirit was long gone, long now finding its rest. It would have been impossible for Lazarus to be resurrected after such a long time. You see, Jesus understood those commonly held beliefs of his time. That's why he could say to the disciples, I'm glad I didn't go to see Lazarus because I need you disciples to know that I am God. I am the resurrection and the life. I need you to know that all power resides in me. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but I want you to understand and to see that I am am God. And that's why John records that after this miracle, plots were freshly hatched as to how they, his opponents, might kill him, because they knew the significance of what Christ did. Jesus delayed going to Lazarus' side because he needed the smell of death to be on Lazarus. He needed Lazarus's body to begin the process of decomposition. That's why when he went to the tomb and he said, remove the stone, folk were saying, he, he's gonna smell in there. He needed the smell of death to be there. Christ needed to know that, to, to not, needed the people, I should say, to know that Lazarus was dead till he couldn't be any more dead. Jesus needed to people to see that he is able to do the, the, the impossible. He can truly do the impossible. And I say all of this to reinforce the significance of what Jesus said when he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, will live. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus can do the impossible. And I praise God tonight that Jesus is as powerful and as awesome today as he was 2,000 years ago. That's why this story doesn't end with Jesus mourning at the graveside of Lazarus. The story does not find its conclusion with Jesus taking flowers and placing them at the grave. The story doesn't end with Jesus standing at the grave, sharing testimonies of what a great guy and a great friend Lazarus was. That wasn't the message. The story concludes with Jesus shouting into the mouth of a tomb that had the stench of death and decomposition, and he cries, Lazarus, come out. And then the story ends with Lazarus smelling fresh and nice like Lenore, still bound in his funeral garb. And I know, and picture yourself there, you know, we often think, oh, what a wonderful scene it would have been. But you've, I've never seen the dead come back to life. I've, never, I've performed so many 
funerals. Never once have I heard the casket knocking and the deceased want to come out. And trust me, I know you believe you have faith, but I'm sure the church would clear if the casket started to be knocked and the dead got up. Lazarus hopped in his funeral garb to the entrance of the, of the tomb. Folk would have been astounded as well as frightened. But there he was, standing alive at the mouth of the tomb. And I share this because in this terrible time of pandemic, when thousands upon thousands of people have lost their lives, both in the United Kingdom and across the globe, when we've had to say goodbye to our loved ones. This story is a reminder to us it's a reminder that the story for our loved ones who knew Christ does not end in a cemetery or at the crematoria, but it will end with a shout. Even as Paul said in when he wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. The story of all those who fall asleep in Christ does not end with their final resting place in a cemetery, but their story ends in a place that God is preparing for us. A place much better much better than post-Brexit United Kingdom, much better than back home where some of us say back home is. He's preparing for us a place wherein he's gonna wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more pain, because as John said in Revelation 21, the former things will have passed away. So when Jesus reunited Mary and Martha with their brother Lazarus, it was a foretaste of when he will reunite us with our loved ones. And I know this is going to happen because Jesus is the I am. Jesus said, I am that I am. I am God. And you know, whatever we're facing in life right now, we serve a Jesus who is the I am. Some of us are hungry, struggling to make ends meet. I'm so glad that Jesus could say, I am the bread of life. I am the source, your provision. Jesus knows we are perplexed. We don't know which direction to take. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus knows that we live in a world full of evil and darkness. That's why I'm so glad that Jesus could say, I am the light of the world. Jesus knows we are grieving and smelling the rotten stench of death. That's why I am so glad that he said, I am the resurrection and the life. When Jesus came to this earth, the I am, the God, his way started, as I shared on Tuesday, in the palace courts of heaven. His way had him come down onto this earth to walk meandering paths through the hills of Galilee. His way was up a blood-soaked path to Golgotha's hill. His way led to an empty tomb one Sunday morning, and it is because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We have a hope tonight, and he wants to join us on a journey where we accompany him in that hope, the hope of a God who is the I am. And I want to finish on this. You know, the final words of Jesus, the final words of Jesus, the I am, they're found in the book of Revelation. And these final words are these, I am coming soon. I praise God that I have a hope. My hope isn't in the vaccine. My hope isn't in another, another government. My hope is in the I am. And the I am declared his final words, I am coming soon. And I pray that we may find comfort and hope as we venture on our spiritual journey 
readying for the coming of him who is the I am, the God who is going to bring about reunions and life everlasting. May God bless us as we wait the wonderful return of Jesus, the I am. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We want to to thank you, um, Pastor Sweeney, for such a powerful message, um, showing us once again who Jesus is. We've been, you have reminded us that Jesus is all powerful. Jesus can do the impossible. And Jesus is the great I am. I'm praying that uh, everybody who has listened to this message will go through the remainder of the week and beyond trusting in God who loves us so much, but yet he has all these vast uh, powers uh, with him. Uh, Pastor, may I request you to um, offer a meditation prayer uh, for us uh, to conclude this message. We pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you in the wonderful name of our Savior, our soon coming Savior. We're thankful, Lord, that all power resides in our Savior. COVID-19 has has affected us so dramatically. Some of us have lost jobs. We've lost loved ones. We've lost money. Lord, help us. Some of us have lost homes. Some of us have lost hope. But we are just so thankful tonight that we serve a God who is greater than COVID. A God who is not intimidated, frightened, or powerless in the face of death and loss. And we pray that the hope that we can find through Christ Jesus, we can also share and extend with others. And whilst life may be difficult today, we just thank God for Jesus because there is a greater tomorrow. Amen. So Lord, help us, help us to live in anticipation Mm. of that great tomorrow and help us to, to be channels through which we can bring hope to others through acts of kindness, through acts of generosity, showing them the wonderful Jesus who is coming again. As we soon part from each other, may we never part from your side or spirit. Mm. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor. At this time, we will um, listen to uh, the meditation song, which will be followed by uh, testimonies as well as corporate prayers, which will be led by Elder Stephanie. Now it's uh, the song. Day by day, by day, by day, day by day. Each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials day Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. Is kind beyond all measure, gives unto each day what he deems best. Loving day is part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and with rest. is near me with the spirit.
testimonies and I'd just like to ask if there's one person who would like to share a testimony with us this evening if you could just identify yourself um, is there anyone who'd like to share a testimony no uh, so okay. We had um, we had Joyce to me. That's okay, Chanda. She she I spoke to her. She's not. It's fine, Sister oh. I'm happy to uh, share a testimony. It's always um, good to you know glorify God and um, say uh, praise to God for what He has done for us. So on, um, I'll try and make it very short. Um, as most, some of you know that my husband does uh, kind of twi twilight shit. So he finishes work at two o'clock at night and he's usually home by um, quarter to three or the latest three o'clock. So on Tuesday morning, it was about 10 to five in the morning. I got up and I just looked for my husband and he was not in bed. So uh, I, I was a bit worried immediately. Uh, I was just recalling on Monday, whole day, he was really busy uh, and he didn't sleep at all and he went to work that night. So you can imagine what our things are going in my mind. So I quickly took the mobile and I called my husband uh, and I asked him, um, where are you? He said, he'll be home in five minutes. I said, um, are you okay? And he said, yes, I'm fine. Um, but then I, I knew something was wrong because uh, that's not uh, normal. So he got home in about five minutes and I, I couldn't sleep anyway. So I asked him what happened. And then he says to me that uh, a fox came 
as he was driving home at night and he wasn't very far it was just 5 minutes away from our house so as he was driving um a fox came and he he was trying to uh, avoid the fox and he went and crashed the car on a bullard uh, on the road right in the middle of the road and it's one of those flat ones that we had they put some new ones not the the rectangle shape it's one of those flat ones and the bullard actually broke and went into the car and got stuck to the car and he tried to uh, take it out by himself but it didn't um uh, work so he had to call the recovery people so it happened around 3 o'clock and i think they came uh, just about quarter to 5 so it nearly took an hour and 45 minutes so that's what the delay was so but i want to thank god that uh, with all that he was fine and safe no problem nothing happened to him he was perfectly fine uh, but i know the whole day he, he was in a bit of a shock i called him during my work and i asked him if he was okay he said yes he was fine and the other thing is our car is really old car and i my next worry was this is lockdown um we can't use public transport if car is not in a good condition how are we going to travel around so the next thing i asked him was um can we drive the car tomorrow he said yes if we can drive so i want to thank god that you know because at the moment i'm driving to braintree to work so i i have to travel by car as well so i want to thank god for preserving my husband's life and keeping him safe and also uh, for um helping us uh, for the car that in a condition keeping car in a condition that we are able to drive Amen. thank you for that praise god sister snea very quickly yes um you know uh, god is uh, great and his mercies are new every morning every time i think of um, when i'm asked or you know when the church asks us for any testimony the first thing that comes to my mind is about giving thanks to god about his protection um because if i'm not alive today i won't be able to appreciate the other blessings that i receive um i was uh, working on last week on thursday i i looked after a patient um and uh, the next day i found out um that he tested positive for covid and and so of course um, that was the information i got because i am a part time worker i only work on tuesdays and thursdays and so when i went to work on tuesday all the staff uh, um were supposed to be swabbed because of uh, the exposure but i want to thank god that uh, i tested negative and i just want to praise him for his protection amen amen ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 just the first part says he hath made everything beautiful in his time i want to share a testimony with you um my grandmother i have always known her to be a person who prays for her family she prays for her children her grandchildren and she calls them by name now she has this gentleman whom she calls her adopted son they have shared this mother son relationship very close he is not her child but he's just like her son and she prays for him just like she prays for her own children the thing is that he was never interested in christianity not opposed to it but he doesn't go to church didn't accept christ or anything like that he would attend some special um events that we might have at church but that's it his wife got baptized into the church years ago he was still not um giving his life to christ my grandmother died in 2002 on sunday this week my mother sent me a video and it's a video of a baptism this was the baptism of my grandmother's adopted son he got Amen. baptized on sabbath the 21st of november into the seventh day adventist church Amen. is that not answer to prayer and because i know many people are praying for loved ones and sometimes you feel like giving up you don't see anything happening you will even ask yourself is god even hearing me but don't lose hope don't give up you might even go to your grave not seeing your prayers answered but remember he has made everything good in his time 
Amen. Amen. Okay. We are going to pray now, giving thanks to God for his answered prayers and his continued blessing upon our lives. So I'll ask us to kneel if we can as we seek God in prayer. Oh, most righteous, loving Father, we are so grateful to you for life. We thank you, Lord, that you are always seeing us. You always care. You take time out to listen to our pleas. Lord, we know that we are unworthy. We know that we have not done good or anything righteous in your sight. But because of your loving kindness, your tender mercies, you keep running after us. We pray that you'll forgive our sins, that you will accept us into your presence and into fellowship with you again tonight. We thank you for your message to us. May we understand the power that resides in you, that we will not fear when we are faced with dangers, when we are faced with uncertainties. May we remember the testimonies we have heard tonight of the way you have protected your children, of the way you care for your, in a tender way for your children, of the way, dear God, you hear and answer prayers, even decades and decades after they have been prayed. Father, you are the most high God, the mighty one. We magnify your name tonight. And we just humbly ask, dear God, that you will fill us with your spirit, that you will give us that assurance in you that our faith will not waver, but we will hold on to you with firm faith to the end, knowing that you have begun a good work in us and in those for whom we pray will bring it to completion through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we give you thanks for all that you have done all that you are doing in our lives and all that you will do until you come and take us home. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, um, Elder Stephanie. At this moment, I'm going to uh, request uh, uh, the media team to play for us the theme song, which will be followed by closing prayer from Sister Emerald. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still.
Shall we all close our eyes for prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for giving us such a wonderful and powerful message through your servant. Lord, whatever we learned today, Lord, let it dwell in our heart and let it stir us for action so that we could prepare ourselves for your soon coming and also prepare others, Lord. As we are going to um, close this prayer meeting, Lord, we ask your never departing presence to be with each and every one of us until we meet again tomorrow. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. I want to uh, thank um, Pastor Sweeney for serving today and all the modern members who have served um, these two days. I'm praying that uh, the Lord will be uh, with everybody who is uh, on, the, on the call to make sure that we tune in tomorrow at half past seven. We'll be led by Basildon and we are looking forward uh, to continuing learning from the word of God and seeing the power of God exposed through scripture. May the Lord be with you throughout the night. Um, this is the end of our session tonight. May the Lord bless each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.